This is B2B Radio featuring Mr. Biz, sponsored by Capital Plus. Over the next half hour, Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth, a nationally recognized leading business-to-business advisor, will present information that helps reduce risk, improve financial performance, and change your company's future. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, this program is for you. And now, here's Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth. Welcome to B2B Radio with me, Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth. We are picking up with um, our sales uh, series, I guess I'll call it, uh, that we started um, a while back with none other than my brother, Kevin Wentworth. So, Kevin, th- thanks for coming back to the show. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised you came back, but I'm, I'm thankful that you came back. So let's just put it that way. <laughs> no, glad to be back. Ready to get rocking on the next part of the series. Yeah, so we're going to talk through um, several different things. So if you heard uh, the prior show, uh, actually, the and we've done two so far. And the second one, we focused uh, more so on um, Kevin sort of has a model, a plane model, if you will. So you can sort of visualize hey, a jet. A jet. A jet. Oh, oh, it's hey. not just a plane. My bad. My bad. This is a full-blown <laughs> jet here. We're not talking about a Piper Cub here, all right? Exactly. Um. So we talked through that, and, and we sort of just scratched the surface on it. So now we're going to take these next uh, – we're going to do a couple of shows kind of diving into uh, pieces, parts of that plane, and specific things that it applies to, things such as um, your knowledge of the company, your product, your the research you need to do, your time management, relationship management, um, utilizing your resources, et cetera. So we're going to sort of break those things down under the guise of this jet – not a plane, but a jet. Um, and so that's what we're going to do. We're going to do, uh, um, and I, th- I think we've got uh, four more shows left in this series we're going to do. Um, three that will be um, heavy content driven, and then we will take um, the last show, we will do, at least for the last show for the time being, uh, we'll take questions from uh, listeners that we've accumulated over the first uh, the series of the first five shows. So that is the plan. So this will be show three on the uh, on the sales process. Um, before we get started, I wanted to mention uh, thank you to Capital Plus, uh, that is our uh, show sponsor, and you probably heard during the intro. Um, capital Plus will help you unlock your capital and unleash your business potential. So keep them keep them in mind. Um, you can go out and see them at cpifunding.com, or you can call them at eight five 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 two two three nine five one. And one more thing I want to mention uh, before we get dive into the content here is if anyone is interested in uh, being a show sponsor in any form or another, whether you want to run commercials on the show or you want to have uh, sponsorship on the website, um, reach out to us at info at MrBizSolutions.com and we can get you some information on that. Um, if you have a B2B business that is uh, scalable nationally, um, it's it's there's uh, very targeted eyeballs um, on either website or obviously listening on the show here. So it's uh, it's very good. So I used the example before, but you know if you had uh, just an easy example that people can recognize, if you had a billboard and ten thousand people see it every day, but only thirty of those are you know business owners, um, it's not very concentrated. Whereas with us. With Mr. Biz Solutions, um, virtually every eyeball or ear that's on uh, that that sees or listens to it will be uh, a business owner. So, um, enough of that. Let's get into back into where where we pick or pick up where we left off, I guess, and sort of dive back into this jet, not plane jet. <laughs> kind of reminds me of a Steve Miller song that might uh, 
might uh, date me a little bit there, but um, all right. So let's get back into this. So this is part one. So let's talk through this um, engine. Yeah. So you know, think about a plane. We won't go through the whole model. You know, you can you can listen to that in the other videos. But where you start, kind of what what really makes propels the jet, obviously, are the engines, right? And this one's got two jet engines or afterburners. And I guess the first one we talked about was knowledge and. I think it's important to know and think about, you know, these two areas I think we'll, we'll cover on a high level. And a lot of these areas we're going to cover on high levels. These two are the two most intensive in my, in, in my part when I coach people or I've helped people along the way to really understand these two. It's very difficult to do and talk about on a high level without really diving into your company. So forgive the, I feel like I think most will find it helpful though, but when you think about the first one, to me, is knowledge, which is three, kind of three parts, right? You've got to know your industry. You've got to know how your company fits in the industry and the story of your company, which essentially is you're selling yourself and where your workers, your employees are selling yourself. And then in addition, how your product fits in with all that. How's the product fit in with your company and how does it fit in with uh, your within your industry? I think the most important thing is that people overlook is that I'm a big believer when you come, you have to have a good onboarding process. With every employee, it should be the same, whether there's someone that's, you know, greeting customers at the front of the store and getting them drinks, you know, for all I know, you could, they could work in a garage and maybe they're just a, a greeter uh, or a front desk coordinator or something like that. Down to someone who is in sales or is the CFO or CIO, everyone should have that same onboarding process. So everyone hears the same story. It's one heartbeat. It's the same message for all employees. And everyone can tell your value proposition or why you. I mean, what, when you deal with businesses, can I mean, have you seen any of these processes with some of the ones you've dealt with in terms of onboarding? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's one of the things, yeah, I was going to say is it's not always consistent and there's not always one heartbeat. And that's one of the problems I see is that um, oftentimes in a lot of businesses I see, the owner is the salesperson and the only salesperson. Um, and so he or she does things a certain way, but they don't necessarily relay that to the person who is a answering the phones. Or as you mentioned, if it's maybe a retail location and, and someone's coming through the front door, it's not the same process. Um, it's, it's just not, it's, it's disjointed and it, it it's not good obviously from, from a customer's uh, standpoint to have sort of a different model or different vision of things. Yeah, I mean, and I think that that's all the more important is knowing that company story. So why did the company start? You know, it's almost as if you're, you're each employee, and I think it's a great opportunity to cross-train, at least to learn a little bit about different jobs at that point of the onboarding process, really to understand how each cog in the wheel works. Because if a customer does ask you a question, it's always great to be able to answer that, at least on a high level, instead of giving them the I don't know answer, which, by the way, we'll get into that later. I hate the I don't know answer. We'll, we'll discuss how to answer that. I think those three words uh, could really put a negative connotation in a customer's mindset. But anyway, everyone being able to tell the company story, why the company was started, the passion behind the company, I think that emotional, it needs to be very emotional and very engaging, kind of an elevator pitch, so to speak. Uh, and this is really where you begin to build your brand as a company. And I mentioned this before. The reason this is important is, Let's just say, and I'll just use the, uh, an administrative person at your company or someone in finance that normally wouldn't ever be customer-facing happens to go to a networking event, even with a spouse, and it's local in the community. And you sit down at the dinner table and someone begins talking to you and asking you what you do. 
it's extremely important to be able to convey the value that, that your company brings to the market. That's a great opportunity for sales that A, which I mentioned before, people don't even know they're selling, mm -hmm. and B, to, to sound educated and, and, and passionate and knowledgeable about the job that you do in the company that you work for, you may end up getting a referral out of, out of like I said, an administrative professional or potentially a finance person that never is client facing out of an opportunity like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think, um, obviously all, all very important things to consider. And I think that that latter example you gave is another one of those things that, you know, happens very often and people don't realize that they are selling and really you are. So you need, you do need to be knowledgeable and make sure you have sort of one heartbeat. We are, um, we're, we've got to head to a break here and pay some bills, but, um, come join us after the break. We'll go through the Mr. Biz tip of the week and uh, we'll continue our conversation about the sales process. Are you tired of the recruiting and hiring Merrig around? There simply aren't enough trained diesel mechanics in Columbus. And guess what? It's only going to get worse. I'm Tim Spurlock, president of American Diesel Training Centers. In short, we find, vet, train, and place quality entry-level techs through an intensive 12-week hands-on experience. We've partnered with some of the best transportation companies in Columbus. We'd like to partner with you. Find out more at AmericanDieselCBus.com. That's AmericanDieselCBus.com. Thank you for being a Mr. Biz Solutions subscriber and listening to B2B Radio. Would you like to have your business highlighted in this spot? You can reach our entire subscriber base, all of Mr. Biz Nation, every week and archive for future listeners. We can record your very own spot to highlight your business, and you can also use it anywhere else you want, including your website or social media. If you are interested, please email us at info at MrBizSolutions.com. Don't hesitate, because there are limited spots available. To submit questions to the show, email them to MrBiz at MrBizSolutions.com. Now, once again, here's Mr. Biz. Welcome back to B2B Radio with me, Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth, and this week's Kevin Went uh, guest, Kevin Wentworth. Um, I should have mentioned this during the first uh, segment, at the beginning of the first segment, actually, when I introduced Kevin, but um, I got a little excited about some of the other stuff we had to, some of the housekeeping we needed to do. Um, so the reason that Kevin is on here is, and I've talked about this before, we don't have just anyone on here, but he's got 18 years of combined experience in sales, service management, um, and a lot of different client-facing roles. So he's seen this process from all, you know, all possible angles. Uh, and so um, he's been a featured speaker at many different conferences, seminars, et cetera. He coaches folks. Um, he mentors folks. Um, you know, from people who are just starting out to people who have been sales salespeople for ten plus years, so um, and and companies of much different, uh, many different sizes. So he brings brings a different perspective. I'll say um, he's got a, you know his, his degrees in accounting, um, and so you wouldn't think an accountant would be a salesperson, which uh, but that's why he has a unique viewpoint on things. Is not many salespeople are have an accounting background. So um, that being said, Mister Biz Tip of the Week this week uh, is if you accept payments or have any type of records online, do not, and I repeat, do not neglect cybersecurity. I see this in virtually every business that I'm in. It's one of those uh, things that's out of sight, out of mind. People don't want to you know, really address that situation, and that could be absolutely um, critical for your business. I mean, it could, it could collapse your business depending on what type of business you have um, if you're not paying attention to that. And I wanted to mention also our show sponsor, Capital Plus. Uh, Capital Plus helps businesses balance cash flow and access working capital via accounts, receivable management, and a variety of financing options. So 
Let's pick back up. Um, I know you had mentioned um, you don't like the phrase, I don't know. And I want to I dive into that a little bit because um, you often hear people say, it's okay to say, you're giving a speech, it's okay to say, I don't know. And I, I, I like your perspective on this because it is okay to say a variation of I don't know, right? That, that's your sort of your, your slant on this? Absolutely, 100%. Because, of course, you, you don't know everything. You can't know everything. You can't be everything to everyone. And I think practicing the I don't know answer is important. And this sounds silly, but if you're driving in your truck, you're sitting at home right now watching this, I encourage you to practice the answer to that question because, A, it'll come off genuine. B, you won't stumble on yourself, and you'll sound a lot more professional. So I had, thank goodness, my mentor, I'll kind of give him a shout-out. His name is Jeff Stahl. Um, I worked with in the industry for many years who's still kind of on my advisory council when I have issues that I, I go to him. He always told me the worst three words you can say to a potential client or client is, I don't know. So what he always told me to say is, like you said, it can be a variation of that. You can say, you know, someone asks you a question that you don't know the answer to. You say, wow, that's a, I've never actually had that question before. Um, I would love to make sure that I verify the facts and get it 100% right. Is it okay if I get back to you by the end of the day? Or, wow, that's a question that I haven't had in a while, or I've never had that question before, or, hmm, that's something I haven't checked on in a while. You know, let me make sure that I get you the right answer. Or if someone asks you a question, you can ask them a question back. If they ask you an obscure question about your product or your process, you can simply say, um, how important is that to you? Because it, the, their question, it might be three questions in of the reason they're asking it, and that's the question you need to answer. So I think having that perspective, I mean, in what you do, obviously you ask business owners many questions as you go through their finances and coach them and things like that. I mean, what, what have you experienced when doing that with businesses? Yeah, no, I think it's a great point because I, I agree with you. It, it leaves a, a negative sort of connotation or, or maybe a bad taste in your mouth. And the other thing that I love about it is it gives you, it's a non-aggressive, uh, non-confrontational way to make an easy segue to get contact information from whoever you're speaking with. So it's you don't have to get to the end of the conversation and say, hey, you know, try to be a little salesy and say, hey, can I, you know, can I get a business card, et cetera, et cetera. I'll follow up with you later. Now you you owe them something, right? And they feel that, right? You're you're telling them, hey, let me get back to you, and so it's easy to say at that point, is it okay? As you mentioned, is it okay for me to get back to you by the end of the day? And they say, yeah. And you say, oh, well, what would be the best way to contact you? Boom! Now you have their contact information, and you've done it in a non again non aggressive, non cheesy sales way or anything like that. Now make sure you get back to them. Clearly, you you got to deliver, and you got to do you what you it. say you're going to do. Exactly, exactly. And, and one other quick thing, I mean, now that we're kind of on the sidebar, these are things that generally I talk about in the sales skills, but I don't like the no answer either. And I experienced this the hard way. Sometimes the worst thing to say to a person when the answer is no, is no. And, and I didn't understand this in the beginning of my career. And it was literally the first sales job I had. And the way they explain it to me is when someone is asking you a question that maybe hinges on the deal, um, he, he explained to me, even though you know that answer is no, if you simply tell them and follow through with what you're going to do, don't lie, but simply go back and ask. The worst someone else can tell you is no. Like, for example, if you're out selling uh, fencing and someone asks you if you can give them such and such deal, well, you know the boss, the owner is going to say no. But you never know what time he may need extra cash. Maybe he's willing. Maybe he knows that person. Maybe it's a friend. You go back and ask. So what I always say is don't ever say no sometimes when you know the answer is no, especially if it's an emotionally sensitive conversation or you, it, you think it hinges on the deal. Simply tell them, you know what, 
generally the answer has, hasn't been yes, but let me check on it for you. Now, nine times out of 10, you're going to come back and say no, but the customer or, cli- or client or prospect feels like you went the extra mile to go to bat for them. Yep. And that makes them feel good. But the biggest thing I learned was exactly what you said. It's a very easy, non-confrontational way to get contact information, to reach back out to that person, once again, to try to go the extra mile to win the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. I, lo- I like that a lot. That's good. That's a good tip. So um, the, the last thing, and we could probably get through this one pretty quick. This ties in with everything we talked about, kind of the second jet engines, I guess. And that is, I guess I call it the research side. And that's on your competitors. And, you know, I guess it all ties in to understanding your industry inside and out and how your product fits. And I always, always, always talk about uh, how you never talk poorly about your competitors. You never talk negatively about them. And I always use, I think wordsmithing, as you and I have discussed multiple times, is extremely important when you talk about competitors. You know, you don't say we're better than them. You don't say, oh, they do it the wrong way. Or, yeah, that sounds interesting, but we do it the right way. Mm-hmm. I, you know, once again, you almost come off as arrogant. Mm-hmm. You come off as cocky. And obviously that turns a lot of people off. Now, a different way to say the same thing is, and I was telling people, it's not that you're better or we're better, but we're different. Well, that's interesting that they did it that way. We do things a little differently here at Company XYZ. We feel it's, a more beneficial, it's more beneficial for our customers, and here's why. You know, for example, when I had landscaping done, you know, it's interesting to look around and see all these beautiful landscapes in your neighborhood, but we do things a little differently when we raise beds. We use rebar when we put in the stone walls. We feel it's more beneficial for our clients, and here's why. First of all, it won't break. I guarantee my work for two years. If you see a crack in that wall, I'll come and fix it for free. So right away, I forgot the whole reason why my neighbor's looks bad, but I know why mine's going to look great. Right. And I he, have his he, word. And he's just yeah. giving you a reason why he's better, right? Without saying, without pounding on his chest and saying, I'm better, he's told you why he's better. And he's done it in a very professional way and and he's you know it's it's a it's a strong sales tactic right um to be able to do that um and we've got about about 30 seconds left if you want to is there anything else you wanted to add on on that uh, not, excuse me add on that yeah, before we per- had to break <laughs> yeah perfect timing i would just say make sure you know your competitors you know the their the insides and outs of their products and how they compare to yours and how they fit in the industry to be able to adequately sell because you don't want to get caught with your pants down so to speak without being able to answer those questions yeah, yeah, and that gives you your your not I don't know answer as well. So, like exactly. you said, ties in closely. All right, we're going to head to a break here. Join us afterwards, and we'll continue our conversation. Do you need to dive into online marketing but don't know where to start? Maybe you need an expert to help design your website, or maybe you just need to drive more traffic to your website. Our Biz Marketing is here to help. Our customized local service specializes in digital lead generation. Our Biz Marketing, where our business is marketing your business online. Go to rbizmarketing.com. That's rbizmarketing.com. rbizmarketing.com. That's rbizmarketing.com. Thank you for being a Mr. Biz Solution subscriber and listening to B2B Radio. Would you like to have your business highlighted in this spot? You can reach our entire subscriber base, all of Mr. Biz Nation, every week and archive for future listeners. We can record your very own spot to highlight your business, and you can also use it anywhere else you want, including your website or social media. If you are interested, please email us at info at MrBizSolutions.com. Don't hesitate, because there are limited spots available.
follow Mr. Biz on social media at Mr. Biz Tweets on Twitter and Ken Mr. Biz Wentworth on LinkedIn. Now, once again, here's Mr. Biz. Welcome back. Uh, we are going to continue our conversation. I know we've got some, I want to make sure we get through this last uh, piece of the puzzle here we want to talk about during this show. So I want to dive right into it. So uh, again, Kevin Wentworth is my guest this week talking through the sales process. We've talked about um, during the first couple of segments about um, your knowledge, the different things you need to know, what not to say, not don't say I don't know, don't say no in your answers, um, about research and how to handle that and, and how to handle the, the question about, hey, I was thinking about hiring competitor A, well, how are you different, et cetera. And so now this last segment we're going to talk through uh, time management, which is is an absolutely crucial piece of the puzzle here, um, and so let's uh, let's just dive right into that one, Kevin. Yeah, so so I guess you know now we kind of talked about the the afterburners or the jet engines, and you move into the central part of the plane, which I guess I'll call this one of the wings. And quite honestly, we could do ten shows on time management. Uh, so I think if we talk like auctioneers, we might be able to get you know ten percent <laughs> of the value of this of this category in. Right. Um, and, and I mean, I'll kind of make a comment and I'll kind of let you jump in on this because I know in what you do, time management, not just within the sales process, but within how a company operates and how you deal with, with small businesses that you're dealing with, this is something that you and I talk about all the time. When I look at the sales process and when I talk to folks, the number one thing I do is kind of follow people around and, and ask them how they do their, how their process works and all that. And when we really get into it, we sit down at the desk and I tell them to draw a pie and to slice off, you know, what, they're, what they do every day and what percentage, how they spend their time, what percentage of your time do you spend doing X and Y and what tasks. You know, I have them break down the tasks, and then we categorize those into administrative tasks and sales-related tasks. And there are multiple studies online that talk about this, but the main problem that I see is that people spend way more time doing administrative ta- tasks and a whole lot less, nearly a third of the time, on administrative, or I'm sorry, on sales tasks. So, 68% of the time on a recent study I read is spent doing administrative tasks, whereas 32% are on sales tasks, which if your main focus is sales, obviously that's a problem. You're only spending a third of your time on it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you, when you deal with companies, as you look at time management, what, what do you see? What are you seeing when you talk to folks? Yeah, I mean, what I do is um, I, even for myself, I mean, I speak specifically for myself, I do what I call um, RPAs, Revenue Producing Activities. Um, and some activities I, I started with, it was black or white. It's either revenue producing or it's not. Um, what I found is there are some things that are, uh, it, it was getting me too far away. Uh, the other way I had swung way the other way. Um, and I wasn't doing some of the, what I'll call is planting the seeds, uh, for future business growth. And so what I did after that was to say, okay, there are some activities that may, I'll, I'll give myself half RPA credit for. And literally I set a goal on Sundays, how many, hours am I going to spend on RPAs every week? And I track it every single day. Now, maybe I'm a little inattentive about it, but it's what I need to do to keep me focused and to make sure I don't get to the end of the week and say, holy heck, I didn't get this, this, and this done, right? And I stay focused to make sure I've got enough RPAs, enough revenue-producing activities during the week. And so, for example, I may get to Wednesday evening and say, I'm supposed to have you know 15 hours of RPAs in so far this week, and I've got 10. I'm five behind. I need to reshuffle things for Thursday, Friday. And by the way, that might mean Saturday and Sunday, Uh, right? As a small business owner, there are no days off essentially. So in a lot of cases, so that's, that's one of the ways I've been able to manage it. And I've actually coached a couple of people because I've, 
uh, fellow small business owners have said, geez, how the heck do I handle this? You know, and so that RPAs, people seem to like that, uh, that acronym and they, they get behind it, you know, revenue producing activity. You can easily visualize that and see how it, you know, adds to the bottom line quickly. I think, I think that's great. That's a hundred percent, but there's a couple of things you said that I'll, I'll comment on. One is there are no days off for small business owners. And the thing that I'll repeat that everyone already knows, if this were easy, everyone would do it. So there are sacrifices you make to own your own business and have the freedom to do what you want and what you're passionate about. Um, so that's number one. Number two, I think it's important to note in the example, let's say you have 10 activities you need to do and 70% of them are administrative and 30% are in the other three are sales related. Well, that doesn't mean that you don't do three of the administrative tasks and you let your books get behind or you let, you have to learn to balance that. And, and the easiest way I can describe it is know your client base, who you're calling and when to call them. So for example, in my particular situation, eight to four was the time my clients were sitting behind their desk. I can get a hold of them. So anything that was not sales related did not get done between the hours of eight and four. I realized that that's the time that sales happen. Everything else happens outside of that. So bookkeeping, uh, travel arrangements, uh, uh, vendor payments, all that stuff happened either early in the morning or late in the evening or on a Saturday or Sunday. So I think it's really important to understand. And if you realize you're not efficient in getting that done, A, find a coach to help you streamline your activities, or B, you know, we talked about this in one of the previous shows, delegate or hire someone to help you. Most folks don't think they have the money to hire a bookkeeper to help. Well, imagine if you'd spend, you spend five hours a week on books, instead of doing it on books, you spent on RPAs. Right. How valuable would that be to your business? Yeah, no, that's the exact thing I tell people is, you know, when they say I can't afford to hire an assistant and I'll tell them, dip your toe in the water with a virtual assistant. You only pay for what you use. And again, that example you used, if you, if that freed up an hour of your time a week, or I'm sorry, an hour a day, so say five hours a week on, on a given Monday through Friday type of situation, how much, how much more in sales can you get? How much more can you get done in RPAs in five hours a week? Um, now that puts the pressure on you. You got to make sure you don't waste that time, but holy heck, that could significantly impact. I mean, think about it. If you just use the easy example, if you worked 50 hours in a week and all of a sudden, and all, all of those obviously are sales related. And all of a sudden you gain an extra five, that's 10% more. So can you sell 10% more in that extra time? And if so, holy heck, I mean, that virtual assistant indirectly pays for themselves as a multiple, right? By having them do some of that administrative work. I also tell people it's somewhat related to time management is we look at what as a small business owner, if you are the chief salesperson, what is your time worth to the business? Not what it's worth to you. What is it worth to the business? So uh, we figure that up and then we look at things and say, does it make sense for you? Because your time is worth, make it up a hundred dollars an hour to the business that you are going to type up and copy paste a bunch of things in Excel. It makes absolutely no sense at all. Cause you could hire someone and pay them much, 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 much less than that to get that done. It's more efficient from a labor standpoint and labor cost standpoint. Um, again, we're getting into some of the cost stuff, but it's, it, it is related to the time management, same sort of thing. We've only got about two minutes left, so I know you've got some other things you wanted to cover. So let's let's make sure we get those in. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks for the update. I, I would say that, you know, really when you look at time management, people always say you get back to blocking and tackling. Well, literally, I believe in that. And I think the most efficient way to do everything that we said, and another way of saying it, is time blocking. I mean, mm -hmm. I think if you legit 
legitimately look at your day and all your activities and you really sit down and, and obviously your little person that knows your business inside and out, sit down and write that list, put in two columns, you know, put in uh, revenue producing activities and put in everything else. And then literally time block. Let's just say do it for one week and try it. Be, be religious and be disciplined and do it and try it and see how it works. Uh, I can tell you that in the instance of virtual assistants in, in my field, fortunately, it's very entrepreneurial. And in other people that I've coached, I've seen one month. So in your example, you said 50 hours a week. You gain an extra 10%, an extra five hours a week. Well, heck, that's 20 hours a month on average. That's darn near an extra half work week. A lot of times in one extra month, or one month of hiring a virtual assistant, they pay for themselves for the year. Right. So just something to think about. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. We've got about, okay. uh, about got 30 seconds. So I would just say the biggest thing with this is you've got to know who your audience is. You've got to do your pre-work so you're prepared when you go meet them and it's not just a blind call. You've got to consider current, current clients, producers, past, past clients, and prospects. You gotta know your products and competitors. You gotta know what you're talking about. You gotta know when to call them, when's the right time. Is it evening? Is it the middle of the day? And make sure your RPAs are during that time. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, you gotta know where. Where in the market do you connect with these people? Do you go door to door? Do you call them? Do you go online? Is it via social media? Is it a physical networking right. place? Yeah. So Don't let's take all this in and block and get it done. Yeah, let's pick this up on the next show. Thanks for listening. Don't forget cash flow is king. This has been B2B Radio with your host, Mr. Biz, sponsored by Capital Plus. Capital Plus is your trusted resource for commercial financing and accounts receivable management. They've been providing working capital to businesses nationally for 25 years. Learn more about them at cpifunding.com or to schedule a free consultation, call 855-522-3951.